Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. In today's episode, we're talking about a wild birth story that will have you on the edge of your seat. At least it had me on the edge of mine. My guest today is an artist from Westchester, New York, who just recently gave birth to her first baby. She's a podcast listener who wrote in with warm words of thanks for the information and support that she received from listening to the podcast during her pregnancy and to share her beautiful birth experience. When I read her story, I invited her to join us and share it with the audience, and she happily agreed. Joanna Piccoli, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I'm glad that the podcast was helpful for you while you were pregnant. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think people often think that if you write in that we don't read them and don't care, but we absolutely do. I do personally read all of them. And then you were nice enough to share your birth story, and it's such a beautiful story, so I'm glad you're here to tell it over to the crowd. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for having me. And you were so good with getting back to me, like, immediately. I was pleasantly surprised. So. Oh, thanks. Let's start at the beginning. You're an artist. Sure. Yes. What kind of art? So I make figurative work that is all based around my experience as a woman, drawing and painting mostly. It's pretty realistic. So up until recently, I was doing mostly self-portraiture that was kind of describing who I am and really trying to make work from a vulnerable and raw place. When you say that, I immediately became terrified. I'm like, if I had to make artwork of who I am, I wouldn't know. It is know terrifying. Where, it seems so terrifying. And I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, it's just kudos for even tackling that project. But you said from a raw place. So, what does that mean for you? So, I really went on that journey um, in my graduate program. I have an undergrad degree that I just learned the skills. So during graduate school, they were really encouraging us to make work that was true to ourselves. So I had to really think about what that was and what I was trying to say through my work. So I had always been drawn to figurative work and had a really unique experience. I've had some sexual trauma and assault in my past and describing and really putting out images that I couldn't put words to, but just almost glimpses into my life and my feelings was the way that that manifested for me. Mm, sorry to hear that you had those experiences. Um, Thank you. How, how old were you when that happened? I was 12 oh, wow. the first time. And then I had a couple of other experiences later on in life. But at 12, that was really the turning point in how I felt about myself. And that's just such a pivotal point in your life, right? Sure. Um, when you're defining your identity. So it really made up kind of those conversations that you have about yourself for the rest of your life. Had you had other opportunities to process that experience? No. So I hadn't told anyone really about it. And when actually during graduate school, I also did some workshops that were kind of not therapy, but they were processing workshops where I really delved a little deeper 
into that. And it was during that time that I was also starting to find myself as an artist. So I really took that on. And that's when I first started telling people in my life, like my family about it. And I was able to process some of it and then talk about it. It was so terrifying the first time that I had to stand up in front of a room full of people and talk about my work and why I made the work that I did. Wow. Um, Does the work then become therapeutic for you? Absolutely. Yeah. It's very cathartic. And that was my way of processing for a really long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it seems like it could be a really powerful outlet. How do people receive that? You know, so much better than I had expected. And I got so many people coming up to me and sharing their stories with me, which was amazing. You know, either pulling me aside or coming up during the opening and saying, you know, this is the experience I had. I connected so much to your work, which is really the goal because Art is only good when it's coming from a true and vulnerable place. People won't connect to it if they don't feel like it's real or raw. So powerful. I'm sure your artwork in itself is helpful to people, especially other people who have had similar experiences, but like almost for you to do like art therapy workshops where you can help other people sort of process their experiences and get them out and you know, express themselves through art. Yeah. And my, my one sister is actually an art therapist. So uh, she she went that route. Yeah. So you just had a baby recently. Yes. Your first congratulations. Thank you. I just met your husband for like two seconds. Seems like a, a super sweet guy. How did you guys meet? So we met online actually which was great. Uh, I had been dating online for a little bit and knew exactly what I was looking for. So it just all fell into place. It was just one of those meetings that you feel like you just have known the person forever. And we just hit it off and just things moved at like such a nice pace, just the way that they needed to. And how soon into your relationship Did you plan to have a baby when you did? Yes. So we got pregnant a couple months after we got married in September, two years ago. And then we found out we were pregnant right after Valentine's Day. And you're ready. You're trying. Yeah. uh, We were trying. I thought it might take a bit. (laughs) And uh, it did not. Um, We were really fortunate to get pregnant pretty much the first month that we tried. That's always a nice surprise. Yeah. So I don't know why I was expecting it to take longer, probably because my mom, it took her a little while. So we were pleasantly surprised with that. How did you find out? I missed my period that day or... I think it was like one day that I had a missed period, but it was Valentine's Day. So we went out, we had a nice dinner together. And then the next morning I had already had pregnancy tests because uh, we were trying. And uh, I took a pregnancy test that morning. And of course I couldn't wait at all. So I just <laughs> texted my husband a picture. of. Oh, 
just immediately wow. like we're pregnant. Yeah. That's so nice. So fun. How was your early pregnancy? First trimester. It was really good. I You don't hear that a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had the normal, I had a little bit of nausea, but I felt pretty good otherwise. And I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop because every other woman in my family had terrible nausea and vomiting, like everybody. So I kept being like, I'm going to start throwing up any second. And it skipped you. It skipped me. I got so lucky. And then... Were you tired, like fatigue? Yeah, I was a little fatigued, but not, not anything to yet. It, during this time, we were also started the moving process. So that was a lot mm. to do in the first couple months of my pregnancy. Like I was definitely fatigued from packing and doing all that. But otherwise, about, I felt really good. How about your second trimester? Uh, my second trimester was great. I was really active my whole pregnancy. I was playing tennis the whole time. So oh, wow. I, yeah, so I was able to play tennis up until I was like six months pregnant, which was really nice. So I felt good. You know, second trimester is even better than the first. You're showing, you feel like excited about that. I, uh, I played tennis twice uh one time i lost a tooth and one time i caused a car accident so oh my god <laughs> tennis is not for me the tennis yeah. gods. there's enough other sports for me like um netflix that's my <clears throat> sport of choice so you were with a OBGYN, just in terms yes. of there's so many choices and you were planning to give birth at a hospital where along the way did you start to look for sources of information or start to explore the options and choices that you have yeah, so I was kind of debating what I wanted to do, and I come from a long line of strong women who a lot of natural pregnancies and natural births in my family. So I started considering that, and my cousin at the time actually was doing some doula work. She was thinking about becoming a doula. So I had talked to her about, you know, what – should I have my eye on if I'm looking to have a natural birth? And the three things she recommended to me were listen to positive birth stories, get a hypnobirthing class, find a hypnobirthing class near you and get a doula. So those were the three things that I decided to kind of first have my eye on. And yours was the first podcast I listened to. <laughs> for right. some, yeah, for some positive birthing stories, which were very helpful. And now you're here to share your positive birthing story. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll get sure. into more about how you prepared and how your labor and delivery went. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested 
for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Joanna about her birth story. And, you know, you wanted a more natural experience. Is that because you live a more natural lifestyle in general? Yeah, I do generally. Um, I, my family, we all see a lot of body work people get a lot done um, in terms of chiropractics and uh, Nate. I don't know if you're familiar with, with Nate practitioners. Yeah. so. I had wanted to be as natural as possible. And so you did the uh, trio of things that your cousin recommended. You're doing I did. And with the podcast, were there any episodes in particular that you found extra helpful? I mean, they were all helpful. The first one sticks out in my mind just because uh, – that was the first one I ever listened to, which was Hillary Duff's um, home birth. So I kind of just started listening to like everything that I could listen to about birth just to have a positive association with it. Because you talk to people and they're so negative <laughs> about, you know, wanting to do anything naturally or, you know, you'll need an epidural. Mm -hmm. kind of thing so did you consider yourself a person who has a uh, high pain tolerance i didn't really know i mm -hmm. haven't really ever had any serious injuries in my past so i wasn't sure but that was the other part of hypnobirthing really helped with changing my perspective on what i could physically do uh, after your hypnobirthing class, did you do a lot of homework, like hypnobirthing homework, practicing? Uh... I did, yeah. I listened to the tapes, you know, over and over again, and I had some really good birth mantras geared towards that, you know, uh, birth only requires the strength that I possess was the one that really stuck out to me. It seems to me that you possess a lot of strength. Oh, thank you. So. I mean, I was scared at first. I was really scared. So I had to really wrap my mind around changing that context. Hmm. And then you also, the third part of that was to find a doula. Yes. And I found an amazing doula. She was awesome. She was randomly recommended to me. My mother-in-law had a friend at the office who knew this doula who's been working for 20 plus years. She started out with the woman who wrote orgasmic birth, Debbie. Mm. I can't remember her last name, but she used to work with her. So she had a lot of experience, but I don't even think experience is the most important thing with a doula. I think connection is so important. Yeah. Chemistry. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And she was just so warm and motherly and made me feel at ease immediately without being pushy 
in yeah. any way, which I really liked. That sounds like a nice combination. I love the three things that your cousin recommended. The thing that I would add to that list is making sure that you have a medical provider who's sort of on the same page as you, if that's at all possible. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and we did talk about that a lot. She did mention, make sure your doctor's on board with all of this. So I can't remember, I guess at that time I had already had a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, OBGYNs, all of us, everybody who's a practitioner just has a style of practicing. But I think in medicine in general and OB specifically, there's like this continuum of very, very natural minded or very, very medically minded or someplace in between. And sometimes my favorite is very, very open minded to whatever is important to you. But how did you find your doctor to be? So I asked a million questions, especially I had found her before the hypnobirthing class and someone had recommended her to me and she was so open-minded and so patient. So I asked every question from, even in the hypnobirthing book, they have like a list of questions to ask your provider, like on forced pushing, how do they feel about, you know, group be strep, like all sorts of things. She actually even let me, because I am natural, I didn't want to drink the Oh the glucose. Glucose. Yeah. So she let me do the like yummy breakfast that's like a banana, orange juice, and uh I can't remember what else. It's it oh rice pudding. Oh rice pudding. I'm up for that. I like your doctor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So that was much better than drinking the gross drink, but she was just so good. The one thing that I made sure to really drive home was that I wanted to make sure that she would not at all rush me during labor and be really patient and not jump straight to any conclusions without first consulting me. Yeah, that seems like a fair, you know, outside of uh, like a very urgent emergency. And I'm sure that you left space for that too, where they sometimes just have to jump in and go. But outside of that, it's, uh, you know, it's a conversation. Doctors really means to educate, uh, educator. And that's our job is to sort of help you understand what your choices are. So what some of the pros and cons of are each choice recommendation if you're asking for one, but then also to have the discussion with you and see what you want to do and support the choices that you make. So I'm glad you found a doctor like that. So as you got closer, how did things unfold for you when you were almost ready for birth? Yeah. So the first snag that I hit, because up until then it had been kind of easy breezy, felt good. Uh, I could tell that my baby was not in the right position. This was around like 34 weeks. You could just tell by looking at my stomach. She moved around so much and I could kind of feel all of her parts. So I asked my doctor to check and she was transverse. So she was sideways. So transverse is the one like it's, kind of easier to tell that something's off because instead of going vertical up and down they're going sideways horizontal and so there's nothing at the top and nothing at the bottom yeah you could feel like two bumps 
kind on of. the right and left instead of up yeah. and down. Yeah. So that that's sometimes people when they're transverse they can tell, whereas other types of breach are much harder to tell because those two bumps are up and down and you're not sure which is the head and which is the butt. So yeah. when you found out transverse, that was thirty four weeks. Did you say? Yeah, thirty four okay. weeks. And what did your doctor say about that? So she recommended that I go to a chiropractor that she works with closely. Uh, she does the Webster technique. So that's a combination of chiropractic adjustments and some, some ligament stretching. Is that how it was for you? Yes. So she was fantastic. And this is one of the reasons I just loved my doctor so much because I was so happy that she made that recommendation instead of trying to do something else like a version or anything like that. So I was happy that she, she was open-minded enough to even send me to a chiropractor. And the chiropractor was wonderful. Uh, she flipped the baby very quickly. Did you see her multiple times or just the... Yes. I started seeing her two to three times a week. I, I was serious. I was yeah. like, we got to get this in. baby down. Yeah. And so the baby flipped after a few visits? Yeah, just a few visits. She, I think by the time I went back for my 36 week, I think that was the next appointment I had. I can't remember. But um, by the next time I saw my doctor, she was head down. Yeah, it's kind of lucky in a way also because the adjustments and, and the Webster technique are not meant specifically for breach. They're, they're meant to improve the function of the muscles, well, the ligaments and the joints of your low back, hips, and pelvis. So if those joints and soft tissues together, your musculoskeletal pelvis is functioning better, if it's not so stiff, tight, and rigid, then the baby has an easier time getting down there. The baby wants to get down there, and your pelvis is more accommodating to that move, but also sets you up for a more functional birth experience, because if your pelvis is, again, stiff, tight, and rigid, and your uterus is pushing down, but your body's resisting that, that generally doesn't go as well as if it's relaxed, loose, and open, which is what your body's trying to do with the hormones, the relaxant, the progesterone. To make everything so loose and have more give, you kind of didn't go necessarily for that purpose, but you end up getting both. By making your pelvis more functional, you create a better environment for the baby to position well and then also for a good birth experience. So sometimes those babies are like, you know what, I'm going to help mom out and get into a funky position. So the doctor yes. recommends a chiropractor. So at 36 yeah. weeks, your head down, that must have been a breath of relief. Yes. And just a side note, I had been seeing other chiropractors the whole pregnancy. Um, so I was already kind of familiar with that. So I think that helped as well that I had been getting adjustments the whole time. But yeah, so I was totally relieved. But <laughs> when I got checked again, my doctor let me know that she had settled into my right hip. Her, 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 her head was pushing <laughs> to your hip. Oh, wow. Did you feel yeah. that? That's usually painful. Did you feel the pressure of it? or? I didn't know what to expect because this was my first pregnancy. So she just moved around so much. I did have a lot of pain yeah. and my right hip is always very tight. That's my bum hip. <laughs> so I did have a lot of pressure, but I mean, everybody feels a lot of pressure towards the end of their pregnancy, right? Like and, people yeah. always say. Yeah, there's a bowling ball pushing down into my pelvis is what I hear a lot. 
So that makes sense. So was your doctor concerned about that? A little concerned. She's a pretty cool and calm doctor. So she never like got me concerned about it. It was more me being concerned. Mm -hmm. Uh, She briefly mentioned what could possibly happen if she didn't adjust, just that she could get stuck. If she flipped a certain way, something else, her hand could come, her arm could come out or something funky could happen during delivery. So she wasn't terribly concerned or didn't at least tell me that she was terribly concerned, but I was terribly concerned. (laughs) What did you do to try to help get a better orientation? So I did all the spinning babies. My doula recommended um, getting on a peanut ball because she would do this weird thing. I'd wake up from sleeping on my side because I had to sleep on my side and her whole body would be on one side of my stomach. It was really bizarre. So she would just switch positions so often. I didn't really know what was happening. And I was wondering if it was normal or not. It didn't seem to be like people kind of describe they like settle into place and they're there. I wonder, do you know how much amniotic fluid you had towards the end of the pregnancy? Uh, I don't. I know that it was never low and I was drinking a ton of water. I was so thirsty. So and I, I was think, always concerned about it being low. I think when you have, because the normal range is a decent range. It's hard to know without going back and, and checking. You, I'm sure that your doctor wrote it down. But sometimes when your fluid is more generous, then the babies have more room to move around. And that's why you're sometimes transverse, even though you're getting closer or the baby flip flops up and down. Even once they pivot down and stay there, then they rotate a lot. And so those babies aren't stuck necessarily with their head in the hip or asynclitic or posterior. But they just can go there and they, and they can move out of there. Did your baby eventually move into a better position? No, she moved into a worse position. Oh, no. But <laughs> <laughs> at about maybe 38 weeks, I had always heard, you know, you want to feel like a smooth at their back. And up until that point, I had felt, you know, what I thought was her back and spine. And then all of a sudden one night, I was sitting there with my husband and I felt a lot of bumpiness, uh, like what I felt was limbs oh, in the not front. the smooth of the back. Yeah. So I was pretty sure she was sunny side up. Mm-hmm. So this is and where the baby's skull is against your spine, which, um, you know, sometimes during labor causes back labor, more intense labor, and can be a bit harder for them to move down, to glide down the pelvis. So did, did you get that confirmed? I didn't. I asked the chiropractor and she said, I don't want to make any assumptions, like ask your doctor. And then my doctor didn't really, I mentioned it to her briefly, but I don't think we really talked about it. I did talk to my doula extensively Mm -hmm. uh, saying that I was terrified about that because I had heard so much about back labor. Yeah. And you were close. You're in the zone already at 38 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Happen anytime. All right. So let's uh, let's take one more break, and when we come back, we're gonna have to hear how this epic birth story played out. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We promised you a labor and delivery story, and here it is. We're back with Joanna Piccoli. All right, so your baby flipped into all sorts of weird positions, made you very nervous. By the time labor started, were you in a better position? No. She was still oh, no. sunny side up, oh, <laughs> and no her head way. was still in my hip. When, so, when did you go into labor in relation to your due date? So I went into labor the day after my due date. And, and how I, did it start for you? It started about three in the morning. I woke up and just felt pretty uncomfortable. Uh, I thought that I might be in labor, not really knowing what that was. So I asked my husband to make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, mm. just in case I would not be able to eat for a while. Yeah. And I called my sister who was going to be with me at my birth. Uh, she had kind of all hands on deck uh, and had her phone beside her just in case. So nice. Yes. <laughs> and then from there, I mean, was it indeed contractions that you were feeling? It was. So I was able to kind of sleep on and off. They kind of subsided towards like the early hours of the morning. Uh, and slowed down pretty significantly for a few hours. So I wanted it to pick back up. So I went to see my chiropractor. I had a session with her scheduled anyway. Mm. So she was able to adjust me, and I felt like things picked up a little bit from there, and I went for a nice walk after that. So things picked up from there. And um, did you stay home for a long time? I did. So I always had envisioned wanting a natural birth that I would stay in labor at home for a really long time and get to the hospital and I'd be nice five, six centimeters along and that would go perfectly, right? Common plan. So, yeah. So um, I called my sister to come over. So she came over like pretty early on. And then I called uh, my doula and she came over a little later. So it had started about 3 a.m. My doula probably came over around 4 p.m. And we did some good laboring at home. So like 13 so, hours in. Yeah, you know, but they hadn't been super intense that whole time, but they definitely picked up in like the early afternoon. By the time my doula came, I felt like I was, I mean, it's laughable now, but I felt like I was doing some intense laboring. Uh, and, you know, she had me in the shower, on the peanut ball. We kind of kept mixing things up and going from room to room. So that was good. Changes of scenery. Yes. Some changes of scenery, changes of positions. I felt a lot of pressure in my back. Oh, okay. And were there any things that helped alleviate that pressure? Massage did. She was massaging my back a lot through most of my contractions. That counter pressure did mm -hmm. really help. When did you go to the hospital? At what point did you say, now it's time to go? So my contractions were about three or four minutes apart uh, at 7 p.m. So we decided to 
go to the hospital then. We all felt that I was probably, you know, progressing enough that we should head out. Had you been in touch with your doctor? So (laughs) a few days before I went into labor, my doctor had told me that she was going out of town the day after my due date. Oh my, that's a surprise. Yes. So I was really stressed about that. And then she told me that the doctor who covers for her, because it's only her in her practice and a nurse practitioner. So I had never met this doctor who was covering a male doctor. So I was distraught about that. I had called my sister and was crying that you know, somebody else was going to deliver me and it was going to be a male doctor and I'm not comfortable with having a male doctor. And she basically said that my daughter, whose name is Clementine, would be the one to choose who was going to deliver her. And she came out? Yes. So How how long was your doctor away for? She was away for four days right after my due date. But she was like, Oh, most first-time mothers go late, and I'm sure I'll be back. And I knew she wouldn't because I had always had it in my head that Clementine was going to come right around the due date for some reason. But had Clementine come before the due date, you like just even a day or two, you would have made it with your doctor. Yes. I mean, distraught for a few reasons. Number one, we talked about earlier how you have to have great chemistry with your doctor. And you had asked a million questions and really worked hard to make sure you were on the same page, which is so good and so necessary for the type of birth experience you were trying to have. And then also in terms of your preference to have a female doctor, is that because of your traumatic past, your sexual trauma in the past? Yes, that. And I always felt like anytime I was around male doctors, I had had other kind of interactions in my past were left me feeling really disempowered. I felt like a lot of male doctors had kind of talked down to me or kind of brushed off things that I had said. So I wanted to be able to advocate for myself and I was worried that I might back down or feel smaller with male doctor. Wow. So who did Clementine choose? She chose the male doctor. Oh, boy. So she waited until the exact day that my doctor went out of town, basically. And and you had never met him before? No. I I didn't even know his name. I had no information on him besides that my doctor had said that he was wonderful. How did you meet him for the first time? Just when you got to the hospital? So we get to the hospital. My husband made the frantic call to him. You know, we're having a baby now. So we get to the hospital and in walks this tall, huge Iranian man with long hair and a leather jacket pulled up on a Vespa. And he's like, I'm here to deliver your baby. Oh, interesting. Yes. It was amazing. Oh, you liked him. I loved him immediately. He was so casual, so warm, like, big teddy bear and my husband was just horrified (laughs) what a big surprise for both of you yeah there's no way if we had met him beforehand my husband would have been like absolutely not (laughs) not happening so you got to the hospital 
I assume you felt like you were in active labor progressing. Um, yes. What did you find when they checked you? Oh, so disappointing. So he checked me and I was only about two to three centimeters. Aye, aye, aye. That's, yeah. I mean, I just, if you assume you're much further along than that, then the energy is sort of like when you unplug oh. that inflatable bounce house and everything just comes down. That totally. must have been tough. That must have been yeah. tough. Yeah, I was devastated. I, that was exactly what I was fearing. <laughs> you were far enough along to be admitted to, for them to, to keep you there? No, so he didn't even want to keep me there. He basically Boy. said you're going to have to go start walking the halls, squatting, lunging, well, get further. Well, yeah. They're going to send you home. Yes. Did it work? And I said, no way. Yeah. I was like, I'm not leaving here without a baby. So <laughs> my doula was so wonderful. She had me lunging. Uh, she had like a kind of little step that oh, yeah. I would put my leg on, bear down um, that way. We were squatting in the hall, doing all of that stuff. So it did work. We did get further. And so uh, the next time... Was your doctor just checked, hanging out at the hospital, waiting for... I can't remember what he was doing. I don't think he hung out. I think he, he kind of bounced back and forth a lot because he didn't actually, he doesn't practice out of that hospital. He practices out of another hospital usually. Oh, so he's just so like covering you. Yeah. So he was kind of back and forth and it was a couple hours. So he might've left. I don't know what he did. And at this point you're not medicated, right? Yeah. So I'm still natural at this point. So, did that change at some point? Yes, it does change at some point, but not for many, many hours okay. later. So you're just uh, storming through them, powering through yeah. them. Yeah. And, and so who's supporting he, you is your husband and your doula and your sister. And my sister. Yeah. Okay. So that was the dream team of people I had envisioned for my birth. Uh, my sister, I knew, had to be there because I had always envisioned her being there for the birth of my baby. And I had lost my mom when I was 19. Oh, wow. So That's when I yeah. lost my dad. To really? What? Yeah. Cancer, to pan oh. pancreatic cancer. I'm so sorry. Thank you. How did your dad pass? Uh, he just had a cardiac arrhythmia. I mean, it was uh, partially connected to a me medication that he started to take. But, uh, oh. so it's uh, yeah. sudden. Yeah, it's pretty, very sudden. Yeah, I assumed the cancer was a, a longer. She lived for two years, which is very long, actually, with pancreatic cancer, because that can deteriorate very quickly. So I was really close with my sister, and I knew that if my mom couldn't be there for the birth of my baby, my sister had to be the one to, mm. to be there, and she would be able to kind of say something to get me through when it was the hardest. Yeah. Well, how did things progress from there? So the doctor checks me again and he manually stretched me, which was awful. So I immediately threw up. Structure meaning more dilation? He opened up yeah, the surface? He just completely, yeah, went in there with his hand like I had to just like bear down in like the middle of a contraction and he 
stretch me open wow. to a five. Is that what you wanted? I mean, you knew that was going to happen? I don't remember if I knew. Mm-hmm. He was basically like, I'm going to check you. And then he was like, oh, just let me, uh, you know, I, I don't remember what he said. Help things but Yeah, yeah. Oh. And he did. He He was very hands-on in that way. He really manipulated and ma- like manually manipulated a lot to help the labor along. Okay. And then, so after he did that, where did you get to with the, what, so I was like a five going okay. on six at yeah. that point. More than halfway. Yeah. yeah. So then he asked if he could break my water because my bag was bulging. Uh, and he thought that it would help speed things along which I was very nervous to have happen because I was scared it was going to just intensify things so much. Did you do it? I did. And this is where doulas are definitely the people who can really provide great feedback from their past experiences. So she was basically like, you know, from my experience, my sister kind of asked her, if it was your daughter, what would you advise her to do? And so she said I would tell her to get her water broken. Mm. And was it, I mean, after you did it, did things intensify in terms of the sensations? They didn't. Yeah, it didn't actually intensify that much. So that was relieving then. Did it speed things up? Mm. Not really. (laughs) I I mean, it was so long. Who knows? It maybe did, but uh, it didn't really from my perspective, change anything. I didn't feel any different by that point. But you were the planning, only difference. You're, mm-hmm. Yeah, you were planning to Sorry. go unmedicated, but at some point, I mean, it sounds like birth went on for a while for you a long time. Um, yeah. What changed? At what point did you want to change gears and have some vein relief? So I labored for another couple of hours. And it was just getting so intense and there was so much pressure. I felt like I was kind of heading towards transition or I was like there because I had so much rectal pressure. Mm. It felt like there was just a bowling ball there. So my doula wanted me to get checked again. And I knew going into that check, if I wasn't there then something was going to have to change and I was going to have to get some sort of relief because it was just way too intense for way too long. This is going on 24, 25 hours by this point. Wow. What did you find when you got checked? So unfortunately, I wish it had been my doctor who checked me. Uh, It was like a new nurse who had just come in. And she hadn't like witnessed everything that had been going on. So she like enthusiastically is like, oh, I think you're like a six, maybe a seven. You're doing great. And I was just like, no. Taking too long. Yeah. How did it feel once you got the epidural? Amazing. I mean, (laughs) it, it was definitely necessary I unfortunately had to get like a bag and a half of fluid in before I could even do that. So that was. I mean, they always give you fluid so that your blood pressure won't go down. 
Yeah, but it was just, I already knew I needed it. Mm. <laughs> so it was so long that I had to wait. Yeah. Uh, oh, that so, you wanted the epidural, but first they had to give you the fluid. There was a delay. Yeah. Um, yes. Did you feel like things slowed down, picked up, or stayed the same once you had that? They epidural? slowed down immediately. Yeah. Um, as soon as I got the epidural, everything stopped. Mm-hmm. And which was good because I needed a, little break. a break and my baby needed a break. So, mm-hmm. like, we both kind of slept. And oh, everyone went home. Uh, everyone meaning your sister? Not my husband. Yeah, yeah. My, okay. yeah, my sister and my doula went home to rest. And my husband slept in the chair. Everyone was very concerned about his comfort. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to, I mean, normally, if you want to try to pick things back up, you would try to walk around, but you can't really do that with the epidural. So did you have to augment the labor? With, uh, yeah, so I did sleep for a couple of hours, and then first thing in the morning, the doctor came in, and he was like, okay, I've been monitoring, we need to pick this back up, because my water had been broken for a good oh, couple hours, too. Yeah, you're on the clock now. Yeah, so he wanted to start me on Pitocin, which I hadn't originally wanted, but we got to get things rolling, so we started the Pitocin. Did it have the desired effect? It did. So I progressed along. You know, my epidural wasn't, it was a good epidural in that I actually could feel a lot and I could still move my legs a little bit. You know, I wasn't able to get up, but I certainly felt a lot of the contractions still. And you wanted to. I wanted to because I felt for pushing, I would need to feel something to be able to do that. And before the hours earlier, you were already almost seven centimeters. So with the Pitocin, do you get to 10 pretty quick? Yeah, it happened pretty quickly. Uh, I think by maybe we started at 8 a.m. By 12, I was probably ready to push. Was, Was your doulette sister back with you? So... I called both of them. The doctor and my husband were like, don't call your sister back because she actually has had a four month old at this time. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. She was pumping while. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Like we were. Yeah. Dedicated sister. Yeah. She was amazing. So she had uh, gone home for a little bit and they said, don't call her back. And I said, Everyone is telling me not to tell you to come back, but you need to come back because (laughs) there's something you have to say to me, and I know you haven't said it yet. So she made it? So she made it. Um, My doula made it back as well uh, before the doctor said that, you know, he wanted to, we were ready to start pushing. So. How was pushing? Oh, God. So, well, first my doctor walks out and then he says, we've had an emergency and I have to leave. Oh, no. (laughs) Yes. Like another patient emergency? (laughs) Yeah. So there was uh, a patient of his who had an emergency that he had to go perform surgery. Oh, wow. And you're ready to push. And I'm ready to push. So oh, he's no. like, I've called in another doctor. And I was like, no, you A third leave. doctor. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you've gotten me through 30-something hours of labor. So um, then he walks back in the room and he says, oh, change of plans. There's been another 
a bigger emergency and they took the room I'm supposed to Operating? Uh, perform surgery. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so you I'm got him back. You had to push yes, back. I got him back. <laughs> yes. Got him back. It happened fast. So pushing was really hard. There was a clock right in front of me. So I unfortunately saw every single minute tick by and it didn't feel like I was making a whole lot of progress for a long time, even though my sister and my doula were taking pictures and they were showing me to keep me motivated. You could see her head, the top of her head. Uh, yeah, which did was Did you awesome. reach down and feel it? I didn't because I was just working so hard. I, I had you. originally wanted to be more, like I originally wanted to see what was going on, but I was working so hard that I couldn't even like look, do anything besides like close my eyes and push, push. so hard. Yeah. Oh. It was really because of her position. It was really hard to get her under my pelvic bone because she was in fact sunny side up. Oh, and no in my kidding. Head. She never, she rotated. never turned back. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Nope. So how did you get her out? So at one point I had to literally leave my body. I had to hover above it in an out of body experience and stay grounded enough to be able to push. It was wild. Cause I was like in between these two planes and my sister was just whispering in my ear, mom has your baby. She's holding her She's just hugging and kissing her. And just waiting to deliver her to you. Oh. So I, in this other plane, literally saw my mom with my baby hugging and kissing her. And I said to her, I know you love her, but you have got to hand her over to me because I cannot endure this any longer. And that was the moment she came out. Oh my goodness. Wow. So powerful. Yeah, it was amazing. It was powerful, religious, just the most intense experience you could ever have. I love everybody. I love you and your passion and your energy. I love your strength. I knew your mother would be there. The second you told me she passed when you were 19, I just knew she, my father's always there with me in these big moments. I love your sister. I love your husband. I love your doula. I love this crazy doctor. Yeah. It all just came together after all those little bumps and snags. It came together. Yeah. And another thing that I love is that because a lot of times people think if the baby's posterior, it can't be done. You had a long labor and you ended up having some interventions that you weren't planning for, but were open to if you needed them. And it sounds like they were used like relatively sparingly and you were able to accomplish the goal, the ultimate goal of, of getting your healthy baby out of you and out of your healthy mm -hmm. body. And, um, you know, it, I always say it's sort of like the birth plan is aiming for a specific map, a route to get from where you are to where you want to be. But once it starts, you're kind of trying to steer a hot air balloon. And sometimes yeah. the wind, wind blows this way or that way. Such a powerful, beautiful story. I really appreciate you for, first of all, sharing your warm feedback about the podcast. I make them every week. You know, I know my mom's listening, but I don't know about anybody else. So when, <laughs> yes. when you guys write in, it means a lot to me. And then also for just coming out and sharing so beautiful and open. I have a question for you before we go. Sure. Where can we find your artwork? Yes. Yeah, so I have 
two Instagrams and a website. So my website is actually, uh, I practice art under my maiden name, which is Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, Bavero, B-A-V-E-R-O. My website That's is the website. Joanna, yep, joannabavero.com. And I have Instagram, Joanna Bavero Fine Art. Joanna Bavero Fine <laughs> Art on Instagram. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. I can't yeah, wait to see. Please do. Um, sure I do a so lot of powerful. portraits of mamas and babies and stuff like that as well. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you again for joining us and for sharing your story. I can't wait to check out your artwork. And at home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you'd like more pregnancy and parenting information, you can visit us on Instagram at Dr. Berlin, D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N. Thank you.